Salvation Army Heartland Division here in Peoria. She's here today to talk to us about human trafficking in central Illinois. Please welcome Valerie. Good morning. I'm just gonna, I hid some stuff up here earlier. Get some stuff out. Well, good morning. I am thankful for this opportunity to come and share a piece of my heart, a piece of the passion that has been put into me. And um, I just always welcome these moments to share with like-minded people about um, important things. Um, so first of all, I want to point out, you'll notice this poster. The Salvation Army internationally recognizes a day of prayer, an annual day of prayer for victims of human trafficking, which just happens to fall at the end of next month. And our theme this year is we will not be silent. And so I'm thankful for an opportunity to come stand before you to not be silent about something that is happening. And the theme comes from a passage of scripture in Isaiah that says this, but this is a people plundered and looted, all of them trapped in pits and hidden away in prisons. They have become plunder with no one to rescue them. They have been made loot with no one to say send them back. And so today we stand together as people that say we will not be silent about these people who have been stolen. And it has also been said that the best way for evil to triumph is for good men to do nothing. And so today as good men and women of the Peoria community, we are going to choose to do something. And that first is to just grow an awareness about it. I wanted to share a little bit about how I became passionate, how I got introduced to the topic of human trafficking. It's very popular right now in the um, church communities to understand social justice, but it was something that came to me face to face while we lived in another country. Several years ago, my family moved to Spain to work with the Salvation Army in the land of sunny beach and beautiful oranges and olives and olive oil, but also a hidden darkness. We lived on the coast of Spain, so if you've ever eaten a Valencian orange, that is where we were living, right there on the coast of Spain. And there was a orange grove road that we drove on a regular frequency to visit parishioners from our congregation. And we would drive, and I remember seeing every few feet a, a orange plastic chair. And in this orange plastic chair would be a girl I brought Kleenex, if you've heard me tell this story before. <laughs> and when I say girl, I mean girl. Some not older than 13 or 14. Wearing very little clothing, rain or shine, sitting in that chair on the side of an orange grove on a hidden road in Spain. And I remember thinking, and I probably said out loud to my husband, what are they doing? <laughs> Seems ridiculous. Why are they sitting out there? And very delicately, he explained to me, prostitution is right here in front of us. Only these aren't prostitutes who are gaining any money from their efforts. Someone else is earning everything. Essentially, these girls would wait for a truck to pull over or a car go into the orange grove, conduct business, and right back out to that plastic chair to wait for the next customer. I just remember thinking, 
It could have been me if I had been born in the wrong place, not had the right parents, been a different color. It could have been me. And I remember hearing the voice of God in my heart through the words of the founder of the Salvation Army say, do something. It would be really easy just to keep driving. And from that moment, it has become my cry in my own heart, I will do something. I will not be silent. I will do something. And from there began this crazy journey into the very depths of figuring out what it is I could do for human trafficking to stop this very bad thing. And so I have begun to find a way in this community, in this context, to raise awareness. So I guess our first question is, what exactly is human trafficking? It is not just sex work. Human trafficking, in short, is a labor of any kind that you are forced to perform without compensation. In other words, it's slavery. The next slide shows us a little, if you like graphs, this will be very helpful to you. You have the axe. It's the girl on the chair, the person behind the curtain doing the manual labor, someone picking oranges in a farm, the act. This is the slave at the top. And how do they get there? They get there, the people involved are considered traffickers. There's the recruitment process, those who find people to get into the system. There's the harboring part of trafficking. Those are the people that carry them. Transportation is another one. They work hand in hand. There is the provisioning of people. And then there is the obtaining of others. So all of that goes into getting a girl in a plastic chair or someone hidden behind a curtain. The means of human trafficking, the federal government defines human trafficking as anything you are forced, frauded, or coerced into doing without benefit of. Force being power or violence is used against you. Fraud meaning I have deceived you, I have tricked you into doing this labor. Or coercion is I have threatened you or someone important to you in order to get you to do this labor. Now, the hard part is you can't prove force, fraud, or coercion very easily. Thankfully, in many states, and the state of Illinois is one of them, these three do not need to be proved if you are under the age of 18. So this is the definition of human trafficking. But what does human trafficking? We often think this is something that happens over there, far away from us. This is, this is something in the other country, or Africa, or Asia, Bangladesh, India. Those are where this problem happens. Or if we want to bring it into the states, we'll sometimes accept maybe Chicago. These are big urban problems. Well, that's true. In the United States, it is estimated that 14,500 to 17,500 people are trafficked annually into the United States from other countries. Now this is an estimate because you might be surprised to find out human traffickers don't turn in statistical reports. So we're just guessing. There is an estimated 
100,000 victims in the states alone. Globally, there are 30 million people enslaved today. That is more slaves than we ever enslaved in the time slavery was legal. 30 million hearts wasting away. People who are being told, you're not worth anything than the labor I can produce off your back. The U.S. State Department in the Trafficking in Persons Report for 2015 says this about the United States. The U.S. is a source, transit, and destination country for men, women, transgendered individuals and children, both U.S. citizens and foreign nationals, subjected to sex trafficking and forced labor. That source, transit, and destination country. Trafficking can occur in both legal and illicit industries, including commercial sex, hospitality, sales crews, agriculture, manufacturing, janitorial services, construction, shipyards, restaurants, health and elder care, salon services, fairs and carnivals, peddling and begging, and domestic service. Individuals who enter the United States with and without legal status have been identified as trafficking victims. And the report continues, including participants in visa programs or temporary workers who fill labor needs and many of the industries described above. Trafficking happens here at home. There's a, a map for me that is two slides down. Says everything. Back one. This is a map of Illinois. Now, the National Resource for Trafficking Hotline receives calls based on tips about trafficking victims. And these are substantiated reports of trafficking in the state of Illinois. You can find this report for every state in the United States. Where you see the red up at the top, you can probably guess where that is if you're familiar with our geography. That is Chicago. We would expect that to be red. But take a look and locate, I'm going to step over, I'm leaving the pulpit for a minute. This is Bloomington. This is Peoria. This is Springfield, Decatur, Danville area. This is Champaign-Urbana. This is home. These are substantiated reports of trafficked victims in our own backyards. I like to look at this map to remind me that it's not just about girls in a plastic chair in Spain. It's right here. It's not just Chicago. It's not just St. Louis. It's right here. Now, if I were to get really technical about this, we're often called the triangle for the human trafficking in our area. The triangle meaning we are more of a holding pattern for victims of human trafficking because most of our communities are less than three hours from a major metropolitan area where they are being trafficked to. They sit here until they find a place for them. But they're not just going to sit and wait. They're going to sit and work. So we get what we can out of them in our triangle until we ship them off to Indianapolis, St. Louis, or Chicago. Chicago. 
human trafficking in central Illinois is happening. So the best question is, the next question is, why should I care? It's not me, not my problem. Well, you said it this morning, to know even one life has breathed easier because you have lived, that is success. And if that weren't enough, for me, why should I care? Because I believe that people carry the image of God in them, and that that makes them valuable. Not just to me, but to their creator. And if I claim that I follow Jesus and I live like he does, then that means I care about his justice issues. I, his care and protection of the poor and marginalized is what drives me. If I claim to follow in his footsteps, I must make plain that in how I treat others and how I tell others their value. And for me, I bring my reasoning to care from Jesus' own justice statement, his own mission statement in Luke. He says, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to declare the year of the Lord's favor. If that is my mission statement, I want to be the person that proclaims freedom to captives, who says to the world around me, people are not to be bought and sold. It's said by people much smarter than me this way. We need to be painfully aware that the creation is groaning. We need to lament the fact that so many people are scavenging just to survive. We need to hear and know that children and women live daily with vulnerabilities over which they have no control. And even when we envision a world where justice is the measure, we know that just injustice is often the reality. Still, we believe that the people of God are mandated to be agents of mercy in the middle of messes. Why should I care? Because I don't want it to happen to my own children. And if it shouldn't happen to mine, it shouldn't happen to anybody else's. Why should I care? Because people aren't chattel. They aren't things we buy and sell and trade as if they were toys or paper. Why should I care? Because if I don't want evil to triumph, then I must do something. So what can I do? Sometimes it's easy to hear all of these numbers and this evil and think that's so big and so far from capability of my own that I just have to step back. Don't do that this morning. One way that you can fight evil, that you can do something, is to become more aware yourself. Read, research, learn, 
Find the Trafficking in Persons Report. Just Google U.S. State Department and Trafficking in Persons Report. It will give you plenty of to read for weeks. Find the Polaris Project online. They have statistics coming out of their ears. The more we know, the more we're aware, the more knowledgeable we can be in sharing with others the truth. So when we know, we tell others. We pay attention to the people and the situations around us. Find, if you find something that looks fishy, what's that, that's the phrasing they're using now, see something, say something. They're on the back table, will be these cards that you can pick up. One is the trafficking resource hotline number that defines labor trafficking versus commercial sex trafficking. The other is some questions you would ask to help identify what does a victim of trafficking look like, such as, have you been forced to engage in some act with someone in exchange for favors or money? Some things to think through. Do you have your own passport or identification cards? Are you in control of your own destiny? Just questions to help us become more aware of what victims of human trafficking might look like. The other is to be aware of what my money supports. Am I aiding and abetting with my dollar? Do I know what fair trade means? Do I know who makes my clothing? Do I know where my food comes from and who's picking it and how are they treated out in the field? The knowledge of our dollar's worth is a mighty force in this fight. We vote with our dollar. We support with what we spend our money on. The other easy way to get involved is to support other organizations that are doing this work. With monetary donations, maybe. Some of us might be able to do that. Some of us just might be able to volunteer. Here in town, the Center for Prevention of Abuse is the direct link to fighting human trafficking in town. We can pray. We can volunteer. And then the final way, I think, is to be preventers of human trafficking. Teach children and people around you that they are valuable. Be kind to others. Show them that they don't have to live out their desperate situations. Help keep them from getting to a point where the only other choice is to sell their daughter. That's how we can fight human trafficking. It's in the little things that God asks us to do that we bring life. When we speak a word of kindness to a child who seems defeated or just plain awkward. When we share a meal with a widow or a recent divorcee. It's helping a mother or father when they seem to be struggling to meet their family's basic needs. Simply put, being attentive to the Spirit and following through when we are asked to do something. That's how we can do against human trafficking. Preventative measures like these cost us nothing. But they mean the world to someone in a desperate situation. So...
That's how you can do something. There's a information I wanted to share. Some might be asking, well, she mentioned the Center for Prevention of Abuse, but she's from the Salvation Army, so what do they do? I thought I'd just share quickly, what does the Salvation Army do internationally? We are in 127 different countries. We speak over 175 different languages. And so we are in the trenches in most places with the Salvation Army on the front lines. We do, internationally in the U.S., we have legislative advocacy. We have um, both at the U.N. in the United States here in New York and the U.N. in Geneva. There is what is called the International Social Justice Commission of the Salvation Army. You will also find a little pamphlet on your back table about that if you're interested that just explains they are the Army's representation in these situations of justice. We raise awareness. We advocate for legislation. We train. We come and we share. There is a North American Anti-Trafficking Council from, made up of all the United, the United States. Um, Mexico is included as well as Canada in this um, council where we discuss. I sit on the Council of Human Trafficking Issues in our areas and we share ideas. And then there are territorial initiatives and direct services. There's also the Salvation Army World Services Office, which you see shortened to SOSO here. And we are confronting human trafficking through preventative measures, like I shared earlier, about loving, helping get out of desperate situations on front lines in these countries. I just want to say one thing to end. In Isaiah 42, it says this. And I want to challenge us all to be these people that will not be silent. We will notice that people are plundered and looted. We will see them trapped in pits or hidden away in prisons. We will say they are not plunder, and we will rescue them. We will say they are not loot, and we will say, send them back. We will choose in Peoria to not be silent. Thank you. I just wanted... <laughs> do I have time? Do I, I... Thank you. We do have time for a few questions regarding human trafficking or the work of the Army in trafficking. Um, is one of the cities up in the north the Quad Cities? Yes, this is, this is Dan that, Port Moly. Yeah, that's what I wanted to it's know. What is the approximate ratio of male to female that are taken under these circumstances? I'm sure the numbers are out. I just do not know. The, um, I'll stay here, sorry. the, general, belief, the general understanding is 80% of victims are women and young girls, but there is a high percentage of young boys, in the, especially in the commercial um, sex trade. Um, that is growing. Agricultural and manual labor tends to be high, more male or dominated. If you go back one from this, um, you see this is gender here. For these are calls in just Illinois, just the state of Illinois. This is the female line is much bigger than the male line. Uh, what about identification and prosecution of people who are perpetrating this? As a very, that is the, one of the big problems is not a lot of states have 
John rules we, that they're called. Um, most states, now Illinois is working to change that. There are a few state books, laws on the books in our state that are a little different um, that do help, especially with the age of a minor, that help the victim versus the trafficker. But most states, it is highly prosecution on the victim themselves, which a lot of us in legislative advocacy are working to try and change that understanding. Hi, um, I'm checking uh, on the internet. What was the organization? Was it, is it really just humantrafficking.org and then it has North America and another country? There is, there's several, you can look at, there's the National Human Trafficking Resource Center. They have the statistical, like I have Illinois and Iowa's reports here, if anybody wanted to look. But they have a report, this is for the state of Illinois, they'll tell you all of the calls that came in. So that's the National Human Trafficking Resource Center. And there's also a great one called Polaris Project that you also, they're connected together. Polaris Project, not Polaris the water ski, I learned, or snow ski, I learned that the hard way. So, and those are two very good organizations with um, substantiated information. Thank you, and that was my question. I have a comment, you mentioned free, fair trade versus free trade allows for all this trafficking to be more important, I guess, and fair mm -hmm. trade means that those making the clothes or, or those in a town or village can band together to make their own market right. and work with the fair trade stores around the developed world especially. And I wanted everybody, I think most people here already are very supportive of Global Village, the fair trade store in Peoria Heights. I do have a few cards with me. It's an all-volunteer store looking always on Cyberling. Uh, always looking for more volunteers uh, to help staff. I'm on the board, and okay. anybody has wants more information. Fair trade, direct trade, um, those kinds of fair labor practices, the reason they're considered preventative measures for human trafficking specifically is because they provide an opportunity for women and children and men and boys to not get into desperate situations where this is their only option. I'm making a fair wage on an actual labor rather than feeling like my only other option is to sell myself, to make my ends meet. Yeah, I'm just wondering if you could give us some tips on if we are out and about, how do we identify uh, a potential circumstance and do we call the hotline first or do we call the police? Um, that's, that's a good question. Sign, so on the national, I did bring this, I didn't make a bunch of copies. On the national resource, for human trafficking, there is recognizing the signs of human trafficking. And it's just a, it's a short, it's two pages, so I won't read it all, but some of it is recognizing, do they look abused? Um, do they not speak the local language? Now, not one of these, or even multiple of these, does not necessarily indicate a victim of human trafficking, but they could be signs of trafficking, such as they don't speak the local language, they seem to be under the control of one person in the room, they um, don't have their own documentation or paperwork that they're able to maintain, they're um, constantly looking, let's see, common work conditions are they work excessively long and strange hours. If we were to see a business, that says it's a nail salon, 
but people are in there at midnight and the doors are always blocked and there's no way to see inside who's getting their nails done at midnight. That's suspicious, okay? If you see a place in town where girls, young women, go in dressed up constantly and then there are men in and out of the building on a regular frequency, that's suspicious. And so it's those kinds of things that we watch for. You can, I would recommend looking up at this. I can share this as well. Um, these signs, just to give yourself a little more information and knowledge of what it kind of looks like. And then call the appropriate authority as you would feel. If you feel it needs to be dealt with the police right away, someone's being hurt, there's some kind of legal concern, that would, I would also personally call the resource hotline to, to lodge a tip and then they take it from there. They'll figure out whether it's substantiated, especially the more calls they get about a specific place will raise their red flags for them. Any other, okay, got a couple. Okay. Hi, thanks for coming today. Um, is the Salvation Army doing any work with um, helping victims once they do escape trafficking? I know that that's a, a huge issue that's kind of come up. So there are, yes, yes and. So here in town, specifically, we do more preventative work through our character building and things like that. I have been trying to diligently work on getting a task force together from various organizations in town. Um, that's still in its fledgling phases. It's only been a year or so since I've been working on that. Now the city of Chicago, where a good chunk of money sits for this kind of work, does have various things through the Salvation Army. They have several houses where they, have, they house rescued victims. They um, work with um, women currently in the sex trade to kind of counsel them out and help them get to situations where they no longer have to be in that lifestyle. And that all happens in Chicago. There's things like, it's called Anne's House or Stop It. Um, there's um, the Promise program. There are various programs. There's also programs in um, various other parts of the United States. Ohio has a program. Omaha has a home. What happens is there's two forms of fighting it. There's rescue work, which is the glorious work. You get to find the victim and drag her out. And unfortunately, with rescue work, there's a high recidivism rate. Most um, trafficked victims return to their trafficker within time because they have been conditioned, probably since childhood, to believe that that's the person that loves them and I'm the liar. And so if they... They, they're confused and they don't know what to do, so many of them return to the trafficker. I am personally very passionate about fighting the demand side of human trafficking. If we can stop the buying, there'll be nothing left to sell. So those are two avenues of fighting human trafficking. Um, but thank you. Uh, yes. Um, two things. One, is there a card with phone numbers or something that you can give someone? And secondly, how are the police involved in this? Do they watch for this? Do they treat them properly? That's a good et question. Et cetera. <laughs> I cannot speak for the Peoria police as I do not know. Um, I have been trying to get in to see, to just talk to people at the police department because this is you hit on a good point that our first responders need to recognize the signs and know what this means. Um, and that sometimes means we have to shift a paradigm 
which can be rather difficult. There is on this card on your back table, the red one, does have the National Resource Hotline for tips, and um, victims can actually call this phone number. I would recommend that if you find someone that you feel might be a victim of human trafficking, tread lightly. Um, one, I don't know about you, but myself, I'm not personally um, trained very well in dealing one-on-one -on -one with victims. This is, and it's also very dangerous, both for the victim and the work, the rescue worker. So just tread lightly. There are um, lots of organizations that make the hotline available to victims in inconspicuous ways, such as through a matchbook, or here's the phone number. It says to a nail salon, and it'll be the phone number. So there, there are various ways to get this phone number to potential victims without causing potential harm for both them and yourself. Anyone else? Thank you, Valerie. Thank you. Summer.